Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. All right, brother. Thanks for coming in, man. I really appreciate your time. I know you're busy because, well, it took me six months to get on the schedule on your appointment book. No, I wasn't <laughs> Yeah, long, well. So. Ashley guards you. Ashley for making that happen. And yeah. uh, I pl- pat myself on the back for following it up because, uh, you know, you send a request and then you don't hear anything and you don't want to be a pest. And then uh, next thing you know, you, you you drop the ball. So Well, I'm glad to be here. I uh, appreciate it, man. Yeah, I appreciate you, my friend. So uh, tell us a little bit about, like, I don't know. Start at the beginning, the day sure. you were born. <laughs> <laughs> no, just a, a brief recap yeah. as far as to, and you probably got this, Pat, as far as answers go, you know, I am, you know, yeah, I well, I've, I've had a pretty, pretty interesting life and it's really my parents kind of started off. I was born in California and then when I was four, we moved to Thailand. So I grew up in Asia, um, which was an awesome experience. I mean, as I look back at the time, I probably didn't fully appreciate it, but then at 12, we came back to Canada. Yeah. And then, uh, 16 years ago, came here to St. Catherine. So I've had the uh, amazing privilege to be travel all around the world and now I have the amazing privilege of getting to know this amazing community. It really is a great place. And my kids, this is all they know. And so, yeah, yeah. that's what gets, got me here. And then, so I remember the days when you came in under Pastor Darren. And, yep. Uh, you, you've heard me say this several times, man. I, you really get accustomed to your leadership and uh, spoken word performances from the stage. You get comfortable with it. Yeah. And uh, Darren, is, he's got a talent for that kind of stuff. He really does. And, uh and so when you used to hit the stage as assistant pastor, we're like, oh, no, it's Bill again. We'll, we'll come back next week. No, quickly. Let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't re- really do that. But I used to I used to come with my mom quite a lot. And then, um, uh, you know, Darren just had a really cool way. He really did. And, and he still he's, does. He's, he's, and out, he's brilliant. He's out in Vancouver. He is brilliant, yeah. Um, so cool. And then. He really got me emotional a couple of times and uh, growing up Catholic and not really having a strong connection to faith. And mm-hmm. I'm not speaking for the whole faith, obviously, but his closing got me a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with now with all head, all heads bowed, and no one looking around. He did this thing about raising your hand and, and copping to maybe you're here and you're feeling this. Yeah. Maybe raise your hand. Or maybe you're here and you're feeling this. Yeah. Well, this flood of emotion come out of me. Mm-hmm. I'm like. I remember going home to my mother. I, I, was, I went with a girlfriend of mine um, after having a great experience with uh, the Abra- Abrams, yes. Abrahams, yeah. uh, Brooke, and she died, a yes. young girl, and totally predictable that she wasn't going to make it. And the yeah. fact that she made the four was a blessing. Yeah. And the celebration of her life really got me. So when a girlfriend of mine said, you should come to church with me, I said, oh, where do you go? She said, Central. I'm like, oh. Because <laughs> the soundboard is in my mind, right? I've already right. read that thing. Um, and then so uh, I remember going home after that experience, uh, after Darren brought me to tears in church. Like, I'm not just talking choked up. I was, I was, I was just, you know, I say destroyed, not destroyed, but you don't expect to be emotional all the time. As men, we don't seem to be that way that much. Right. Although I see you on stage getting emotional quite a lot. And then I said to mom, yeah, what's all this about? Yeah. Well, that's just God coming into your heart. And it wasn't until later, Pastor Topping said, well, he explained the difference between the head and the heart. And when it moves from the head to heart, yeah. whether it's love or knowledge or just peace, 
the spirit can really mix you up. So yeah, well, and I think it's because we're all actually wired for it. I think we're actually made to experience something more than just the physical. I, I think that's why so many people are, are longing, looking for something, some kind of meaning or purpose. And mm. so they try to find it in all kinds of things. We say, you know, what's the purpose for your life? And we're trying to attach ourselves or feel this more. And I think it's because it's, it's in us. It's the way we were made. And so when that part of us becomes alive, it's almost like it lays dormant. And then all of a sudden it comes alive. And when that part of you is fed, um, and becomes alert. It's like, whoa, there's a part of me that I didn't even know existed. And that's when it really happens. That's that's the coolest part. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking about, you know, uh, being, feeling comfortable with your, your pastor and then, sure. and I, and I kind of joke, but you know, I, I think a lot of people feel that it's like, oh, well, the main guy isn't here today mm-hmm. and I'm going to have less of a message. Mm-hmm. And then what have you done to bring your, your game around? Because now, when Darren comes back, I love you, Darren. Uh, <laughs> Is he watching? I'm like, oh, no, Darren's here. Because he's not like, wow, you've raised your game to a point. I don't know if it's just my comfort with you now. I know that your, your speaking has come a long way because, you know, I'm so critical that way. So mm-hmm. I, wonder, I wonder what what you've done in your professional mm-hmm. uh, capacity as spokesperson from the platform that's, that's made everyone else, uh, well, me, for everyone else looking up and going, geez, I hope Bill's back next week, including a guy like Darren. You know, now he's the, when he comes in and guest speaks, I'm like, we love you, Darren. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember you using notes. He's like, "Mm, this one was a tough, it was a tough one. And then I went back to a couple old sermons. I'm like, oh no, he does use his notes all the time. So I I know, I see you referring to notes, but I don't. Yeah. Well, I, I think for all of us too, there comes a point when you actually get to step into who you really are. I think there's a an authority that comes with that, a comfort level. And once you really know, and for me, everything comes down to the why. Why, why do you do what you do? What motivates you? What drives you? And I think um, when, you, when you're given the opportunity to really be fully you and engage in you, I think that's what becomes attractive. And I think a lot of people have that part of them hidden. They, they don't explore that. So for me, yeah, there's obviously a, fit, a skill part that I've developed and worked really hard at. But it's more of walking in, confidence that this is what I was made for. And I think it's, it's hard because it's, it's not tangible. You can't put your finger on that. Mm. But when, when people are speaking or communicating and they really are convinced and they it's, it comes out of a place of deep authenticity, that this is just my real thoughts. It's really me. And it's always risky to put yourself out there like that because, again, mm. you know, right, you're, you're criticized at every turn. Um, everyone's analyzing. We live in a society and culture that gives nobody a break. There, there's no breaks. Mm. There's no grace. Like you screw up, it's on the internet forever. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard to be really authentic. And that's why I look at a lot of our politicians or public speakers. And you think, man, is that really you? And it, when, when you kind of feel like it's a show or they're just trying to say words that, that they've rehearsed, it, it doesn't work. And so I think I've just said, I've just said to myself, I'm going to just be me. And really share what, only what I believe. If I don't believe it, I'm not going to say it. And if I don't mm-hmm. practice it, I'm not going to say it. I think that's another thing that frustrates a lot of people. It's like, it, it's that hypocrite thing, right? It's like, okay, you said this, or I, but it's not really authentic. I don't see it in you. So mm-hmm. I think it's a combination of things. Walking, stepping in your authority. Yeah, practicing a lot. But then also just being who you were made to be. And I think that's where I'm at. And so 
I wanted to touch on some of the work because when I describe you, I describe you as a heck of a leader because it, mm. I see it everywhere. I see it in the parking lot, and I joke, I taste it in the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and and I hope it's a good taste. <laughs> I'm not a huge yeah, yeah, fan, but yeah. I'm trying to get off the coffee anyways. But Yeah, me too. Um, leadership obviously mm. comes naturally to you, and uh, or maybe it doesn't. Maybe you got to work really hard at it, but I think you're a leader or you're not. You don't learn to be a leader. You don't learn to be a mentor. You don't learn to, learn to be uh, an influen- influential um, uh, person in your community. you got to work hard at that. But uh, uh, some of the community work that you've done, uh, we talked about uh, the frogs. What color are they again? Red. <laughs> Red frogs. Uh, talk yeah, a little we, bit about that. Yeah, so... Well, I think, I think when you get opportunities, uh, great leaders take them, and I and I do think you can develop your leadership. I think there are skill sets that you can acquire, and I think in some extent we're all actually called to be leaders in some capacity. But you're talking about like high influential leaders, and it's funny because I would never consider myself one of them, but I do try to take the, every opportunity that's given to me. And so moving here to the Niagara region. One of the biggest questions is, what can I do to make a difference? Like, what can we do to make this a better place than when we came? I think if everyone lived with that simple model, like, I, I've come into this world. It's a gift. It's called life. I'm breathing. Um, you may be struggling through something right now, but the thing is, I believe that you can turn that around. And then the real question of, is, why am I here, and am I going to make here better? And so for me, that was a really big deal. And so... Um, my story really is couched in my mom's story. My mom grew up in a really, really bad situation. Um, alcoholic, abusive parents. Um, she tells stories of how when her, her parents would come home with all their friends, they'd have to hide in the closet, you know, because mm-hmm. it was so toxic. And um, they'd wait until everyone passed out, and then they'd sneak out and try to find food to eat. This is my mom at eight years old. She's trying to raise... She's She's become the mom of her sister and her two brothers. And then one day, she gets invited to this little country church, and... And for the first time in her life, she she hears these words, you're loved, you're valuable, you have purpose. Mm-hmm. She'd never heard that before in her life. And it changed, radically changed her. Now, it's interesting because at this church, they had a had a contest to, for a bike, whoever brought the most. So she never owned a bike. She grew up literally um, in poverty. And so she said to her parents, oh, we got to go get this bike. And this it's a kind of a funny story now looking back. I mean, they gave the bike to her brother anyway, which is, you know, it was typical of that dysfunction. But through that experience, it changed my that whole side of the family and uh i I wouldn't even be exist i wouldn't exist today obviously if if that little church hadn't loved people so Mm -hmm. we just decided to do that so um here in our for us in the community we want to help kids and love kids and give them opportunities that maybe they wouldn't so one of our big things that we do is we work with an organization called community crew and the big thing that they do right now is um lunch angels they go into schools and they and they give kids nutrition and of course i mean you know physiologically if you don't eat your brain doesn't function the way it should and some of these kids already are starting off on the wrong foot so we thought we could do something about that you may not be able to do everything but you can all do something like i just tell people like that you may not be able to change the whole world but you can change the world for one person you you really can and so for us, that's we just do uh, with community crew. We go into these schools and we just give them a lunch, and it seems like a small little little thing, but it's actually a really big thing because who knows what kid in that class is going to be the next prime minister of Canada? Who knows what what kid in that classroom is going to be the great next scientist who comes through a breakthrough that changes humanity? And so for me, I'm really passionate about reaching kids, um, and so that's what we do. We just go into schools, we give them lunches, and um, it's a really good thing. 
It's a really good thing. Mm. Cool. Uh, Bill Marcos, my guest, actually. Bill, what are you reading these days, Bill? What are you uh, passionate about? Well, I read a lot of leadership books, obviously. Yeah. I'm constantly trying to develop myself that way. And um, I actually am kind of a Jordan Peterson junkie right now. Oh, dude. You know, so I'm, I'm kind <laughs> not of, the I'm, only one. Yeah. Does I, that make you a sexist, intolerant bigot? I hope not, because I'm not. Aren't we all that way? You know, the, well, the thing about it is I, I really hate labels. I mm. really do. I think labels are a way of putting another person in prison. And we do that all the time with people because the label carries with it all kinds of uh, innuendos that aren't necessarily true of that person. You, I don't think you can ever define one person by one label. And I think it's just way more complex than that. So what frustrates me about the labeling that's going on is that I don't want to be labeled. I want to be understood. I'm a, I'm a person. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I think, I think you know, that's what I, one thing I think a lot about is... How do I how do I break down labels and get to know people? And what I've learned is if you actually take the time to hear a person's story, there's beauty in every story. Sometimes you just gotta dig really deep, but there's something in everybody that's worth listening to. Everybody has a story. And so yeah, so that's that's some of the things I've been reflecting on. What's uh, been the draw for Peterson? Um, New information because well, I think, like I, I, me, you're thirsty for knowledge all the time, trying to. Yeah, well, first of all, I think he's brilliant, mm-hmm. uh, and I think he's has a deep conviction. I love when somebody's really passionate and to who they are. I, I think he's just decided, you know what, this is what I am and who what I believe, and I'm going to share it. And I think there's something really powerful about that. Um, there's a lot of people who just jump on bandwagons on and off. There's other people who find their identity in other people, but when you find your own identity and go, this is who I am. And that's awesome. I, I love that. And, of course, I love some of his thoughts. Uh, he, he does a whole series on the Bible, which, you know, I've spent my whole life studying. Um, and I, I find his interpretations fascinating and interesting and different. So, mm, yeah, yeah I, so I've been watching a lot of that. The psychological significance of the Bible. I mean, uh, walking with Noah was uh, profound for me in so many ways. And I just love, at some point early on in that podcast, and I think I've listened to just about everything you've done yeah. and to a point and some of the the videos and, and podcasts multiple times because he really he's highly intelligent and his language is, is a little bit above what I'm used to. Right. I understand it, but sometimes right. I have to hear it a couple times <laughs> before and sometimes I get to look up a few words. Yeah. And so um, when he made the comment, you know, there's probably a dozen or a thousand things that you're doing right now that are keeping you from becoming a better person. And you know, these things. Yes. And there's an equally, uh, an equal number of things that you're doing that that you're not doing that you should be doing. Yes. And it was just so simple. He's like, stop doing the things you know, you shouldn't and start doing even if, and like if it's smoking, okay, there's an addiction there. Let's pick something simple. Yeah. And this idea and these means of clean your room, Right. This idea, and I'm, I'm about halfway through uh, 12 Rules for Life. It's it's a, a lot easier to read than uh, his first Maps of Meaning. Uh, it was deeply psychological and kind of technical in some spaces. But clean your room before you go out and try and, try and change the world. What gives you the right to think that you have any purpose yes. fixing anything when you have your backyard's a mess. Yeah, or there's well, dust bunnies under your bed. Well, exactly. Well, Jesus said it this way, you know, take the plank out of your own eye before you look at the little speck in someone else's eye. I think what I like about him, too, is that 
I think a lot of people who are religious separate the sacred or spiritual, whatever, and the, the material, the tangible. And they, they see these as two totally separate um, entities. But I think what I like about Jordan Peterson is he's actually marrying the, the reality that we're these whole holistic beings. I think there is a, a psychological element. There is a practical element. I love that that part of it, that actually we're a complete being um, and how you are as a being impacts everything else. So get that part right. I I love that. Yeah. What do you, have, are you hearing a lot in his um, presentations that you're going, oh no. Is there anything you disagree with wholeheartedly as far as what you've grown, uh, what you've known to be true? Yeah, I, I don't know if I would say say that so much. I, I think my approach to everything is to be really open-minded, and my approach is to hear what the intent is. And so, of course, in any presentation, even my own, I'm sure there are things that you could say, oh, you could pick that apart, pick that, I don't like this, I don't like that, and of, co- of course you're going to find those. But But at the end of the day, if you can respect a person for what their intent is, the motivation with the driving force, and so I think, yeah, to be honest with your question, I... I haven't found anything that I'm like, oh, I can't take that at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's completely disgusting. <laughs> there, there's nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, You're not easily offended. No. Um, well, I think I think people who are easily offended are actually people who are really insecure. And they're insecure. And so anything that threatens their, what they would deem as their being, then they, they get all uptight about it. And I think when you come to a place where you're actually secure in who you are, then you don't get offended. Uh, what 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 offense can happen if you know who you are, right? It, like great point. If I if I call you a term that you're confident that you're not correct, then it's like if I call you gay or a lesbian or something that doesn't apply, then you're, you look at it with bewilderment. It correct. doesn't offend you. Correct. But if I call you stupid, correct. And then, that, well, then, then that's, that's a, something that you saw, you've been told that your whole life, or you, you're not quite confident of your intelligence then it triggers well that word triggered but and that, well no that's <laughs> a great a word well no. that's a great word because you know my story that happened to me when i was a kid i had a teacher who called me stupid and i actually believed and lived in that lie because what you believe actually manifests itself and so i believed i was stupid so i struggled all the way through school and then something clicked in me after high school and i said you know what that isn't true and 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 actually, that's the empowering reality when you know. Okay, okay, someone calls you something or says something. Okay, your your first reaction shouldn't be to retaliate. Your first reaction should be, okay, what if what if that is true? What and and you sort through that. And when you get to the point that is true, you deal with that and go, okay, I can correct that, or I don't want to correct that, or you just go, that, that isn't true. And so I came to realize this realization that isn't true, and everything changed for me. I went from barely passing high school to like a high honor graduate from university. Wow. Yeah, it was weird, and you think, well, what because happened? Of a lie that you bought into. Hundred percent. Well, this is created this... almost. I mean, you had a trigger, you had some starter growth fertilizer, but then you perpetuated that lie. Well, there's power in your words. It's fascinating. the 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 Hebrew word um, in the Bible for for the spirit is ruach, and when you say it, if you put your hand to your face, you can actually feel the force of it. It's this idea that that your words carry this force, this power, and and that's why. In my opinion, God's word is so powerful, um, and people don't understand that. When you can read it or you can listen to it, but there's there's power in spoken words. So when you hear truth, that that's what you were talking about with how you felt with Darren. You hear something and it elevates you. It's like, wow, that that's a possibility. 
that I hadn't thought of before. And I think that's the power. Power of speech creates possibility or crushes. It elevates or it diminishes. And so for me, um, you know, when someone says a word to me, because I get words at me all the time, mm. uh, some very nice and kind and others not so much because of what I do. Right. Um, I go, okay, what if that is true and what can I change and what is not? And then you're right. Th- there is no offense. There is no offense when you can live that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, staying with Peterson, I've been... Well, obviously drawn in uh, to all of his work. And I think he puts it best, you know, people came here for the controversy mm-hmm. because it was the pronoun issue, I think, that drew me in first. Or drew me to the... I saw him on Rogan, I think. I'm a huge Ro- Joe Rogan fan, and it's kind of inspired this long-form interview, commercial-free type of, you know, it's, it gives me an opportunity to really go in-depth and get to know uh, the people I'm talking to and the subjects. But Peterson's... Um, teachings on the big five personality type has got me really digging deep into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've done, well, I'm partway through his future authoring, the, uh, the past authoring, future authoring uh, program that he does. And I think he claims he's got about a 20% reduction in dropout rates with high school and college students. Mm-hmm. Knowing who you are, who you were, and what happens if you stay on the same path and what you what you can look forward to. But the big five personality type is uh, fascinating to me from the standpoint that, well, first of all, I find it absurd that you can't say men and women are different without being sexist these days. We're different. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean one should be discriminated or treated differently. We should be treated equal, but not equal outcome, not quotas, which we're seeing all the time now. Um, Men and women are different, possibly... Uh, races are wired a little differently as far as their their tendencies and their personality types. So, and liberals and conservatives are different, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, all of us seem to be at war with each other. And maybe it's just me, but I think God bless them. The election of Trump has really brought a, def- a profound awareness for many of us, me, anyways. The extreme you can't hide if you're extreme view right now, and right now you have. Uh, I think you're being encouraged to say, hey, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Alt-right, alt-left. Um, the fact is, it's the majority of us, 95% of us, if you look at the bell curve, the numbers are really low on the extremes. Right. And in the middle, they're fat. And that's where we all live. Right. Where we all have overlapping beliefs and morals. And, you know, we're kind of in the same. And we're looking both ways and going, would you guys in the extreme shut the hell up? Mm-hmm. And so it seems to me that the extremists have a a louder voice. The silent majority, the moderate middle, says nothing, basically. Right. Other than, would you guys shut up? You don't speak for me. Right. Uh, And then there's this conversation going that started by the extremes. um, And then we have to get somewhere. We've come a long way. Yeah. Right. As men and women, as races, as yeah. Christians, non-believers, as w- whatever has divided us in the past. I think somebody said the other day, yeah, I'm a member of a inferior race, the human race. Ash Schultz from USS said it perfectly. Mm-hmm. We all have one thing here that we share, a heartbeat. Yeah, I think we forget that a lot more. And I wonder what your thoughts are on, man, we're really different. We have different beliefs, different cultures. 
different personality types. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I love the way he puts the boxes around these personality types. Mm-hmm. So the liberals are your artists and your teachers and your professors. And hey, what do you know? Our universities and our schools and our Hollywood is full of lefties. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And they love um, creativity, open borders, free thinking. They used to stand for free speech. They don't so much anymore because now speech is hate, right? Right. right. Hateful. And then the conservatives love their boxes. They love their borders. They like the tight securities. They like immigration that's tight. They, they are more, more uh, likely to be religious, to have respect for authority, to play within the rules. Um, they, are, they run the businesses. The liberals run the businesses that they invent because the righties don't have a creative bone in their body. Right. The lefties have all the creative. So <laughs> your business is failing. You want to get it back on track? You bring in a lefty. You 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 invent a new business, you don't you're struggling to run it. You're bringing a conservative to run it because they have all the the great personality types. All the same with men men and women. Mm-hmm. Women are, you know, they're well they're the giver of life. So they have some tendencies, some proclivities, and some um, personality traits that are productive for caring for life. They're highly protective. They're all kinds of things that men well same are, but we have our things that we go out and do. But what I'm struggling with is, okay, so we came from a pretty dark place. Mm-hmm. We've come a long way yep. with racism, with tolerance. Oh, man, the, the pendulum swung so far left. I mean, I don't know how. You have to be tolerant of the intolerant. <laughs> well, you should be. Um, but moving forward, I think we forget. We still have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. We're better at different things. And how... Are we going to bridge that gap to a point where we can actually continue to make life better for ourselves moving forward? I just see a, a, a huge ideological political divide between men and women, mm-hmm. uh, between Muslims and Christians, between believers and non-believers, and maybe not so much, but just profoundly right now, the difference between the right and the left, especially in the States, but in Canada too. Mm-hmm. And we are bitterly defensive of our positions. And this is, I don't know, maybe... I've seen a lot of people like me that once we're in one political ideological camp, I'm a, been a lefty for a long time. Yeah, I'm swinging so far right. I'm going, go all right, Doug Ford, undo everything Kathleen Wynne has done. So I wonder what your thoughts are on, are on closing that divide and bridging the gap between what seems to be uh, you know, a more divided population all the time over what we believe and who we are. Yeah, I think I think we need to... Learn to celebrate diversity while being unified around purpose. I think, and I know that that sounds complex, but what what I mean by that is, in order for anything to move forward, you are going to need different perspectives and different skill sets. And so this is why I hate labels so much, because it puts people in boxes and it gets them working against each other rather than for, and for something greater. And I think the greatest aspects of being a human (laughs) when we're at our best is when we're able to put aside our personal preferences to accomplish a goal that we could not accomplish without each other i think that's when we're at our best and so i think uh canada is great at celebrating diversity but not maybe necessarily around a unified vision like i guess the question would be what what are we trying to accomplish and why? What What is the end game in all of this? Is it just to yell at each other? Is it to push your agenda? Is it? And and if we could 
come up with a reason to exist. And I think this is, you know, as much as I hate war, I think it unified nations, right? It gives them a unified purpose. And you see, you know, that's when people get together or, or when you see a natural disaster, right? Uh, uh, someone's uh, written like, in the Globe and Mail today about Humboldt. Yeah, this is, you know, 100%. We're all humble. Now, and we that's right. And remember what's important. 911 was a huge example of that. Well, yeah, the, the, even on Facebook posts, right, you can add the Humboldt logo. And, oh, and no, really? no one's asking whether you're left or right, in or out, whatever. Mm. It's, I, I think that's when human beings are at their very best. And I think that's what's missing. I think a lot of young adults are really disillusioned because they feel like, well, I have no purpose. There's no reason to get out of bed or there's nothing to do with my life. And so... To find that unifying vision, I think great leaders are able to do that. And I think that's what when we're attracted to great leaders. Um, and so, yeah, I guess for me in the greater Niagara region, I would just love us to have a unified vision around growth and family. And um, and, and so, yeah, those, those are the things that inspire me. And so, yeah, I, I, I really don't like to talk a lot about what separates and divides because it's just fine. It doesn't, it's not productive. I mean, yeah, we might learn something, gain something if we're open-minded, but most of those discussions aren't open-minded. They're just yelling matches. I'm telling you what I believe. I, I say this all the time to people who will try to convince me of something. I'll say, you know what? You, you've trained yourself to answer every question I'm going to give you, so we're not going to get anywhere that way. And the truth is, I've been trained to answer any question you're going to give me, so we're not going to get anywhere that way until we strip, us, strip away the ideologies and get really to the heart of it. Like, what motivates you? Why do you do what you do, Jim? Like, what drives you? Who are you and what are you trying to accomplish? And then and then if I understand that and you understand me, maybe we could maybe that's when the two of us figure out something we can do better. So I actually think that what we're doing right now is actually a celebration of that. You and I have a friendship, we have a connection. Um, this is something you're passionate about. I like talking. So we come together and we hope together that this actually someone out there listens, it changes maybe the way they think, change helps them become a better person. That's our why. And, and if we were just arguing about ideologies, we wouldn't get there. But if we as human beings could just stop the um, tension and, and start celebrating, okay, how do we accomplish something better together? I mean, that's when the magic happens, mm -hmm. right? I think that's when we're really at our best. Uh, Danny Lamb gets in here. He's watching live on Facebook. Thanks, Danny. Uh, great line. I don't want to be labeled. Yeah. I want to be understood. Great conversation here. Happy I tuned in when I did. Now, labels are wholly appropriate, though, in some, and so are stereotypes. I mean, um, you know, in the States, many Mexicans are gardeners, landscapers. Right. The, 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 that's just, they've been drawn to that. They're 45% of them are, you know. Now, yeah, but is that something they've been pushed into? Yeah, right? yeah. Absolutely. Right. So they, but they, it doesn't make it untrue that the you know many people are, and just like the the stereotype or not stereotype, no, but, it, but, but the personality types, we have proclivities and natural tendencies. I know, but we won't break the cycle if we keep the label. Right. So because we say, well, that's true. Well, then what happens is you set up a a, a system that actually forces that to be true. If if we said um, it's, it's the same with people who come into Canada who are highly educated from all over the world, and we say, well, you know, you weren't trained in our school, so you're not good enough to be a doctor or a lawyer, so you got to go through this whole process again. And so when you label that, you actually create reality. That's mm -hmm. that's the problem with labels; they they, they they do become true. So so I was told I was stupid. It did become true. 
So that's why I hate labels. I'm thinking, well, if we could just mm-hmm. strip those away and go, okay, let's get past the label and get to the person. Because there's a lot of Mexicans, if you want to use that label, who are highly intelligent and would be great CEOs in companies. But because we've made this, we've made it restrictive, companies aren't open to that. So, so we create these realities, hmm. and that's what I don't like. It's the same with men and women. I, I know we, we are different physiologically. There's no denying that. But again, when we, when we label this or that and we, we hinder, it was like for the longest time women weren't allowed in the workplace, not because they aren't smart. They're brilliant. As a matter of fact, we need more women in the workplace, but they weren't allowed because they were labeled as, well, home, you know, stay at home and you know, right. homemakers. So that's the problem with labels. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. I, I, I don't want to be labeled and I don't want to label you. Um, because it actually restricts and refines and it confines you rather than elevating you. Unless you're going to use a good label like you're amazing. That's a good one. I'll <laughs> and, take that. You know, it's this idea that uh, all discrimination is bad, too. Well, we use discrimination all over the place. Like I have a, a tendency for women I find attractive. That's, I can't right. do anything about that. Right. <laughs> I don't. Right. Uh, but I, but, 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 but maybe. where is it? Where, where, where has it become? Where's that line? I don't yeah. you know. I'm looking for a specific line, but there, you know. Uh, there's fair discrimination. You can discriminate against intelligence. Employers do it all the time. Right. Uh, but, um, you know, unfair dis- dis- discrimination against your, your faith or your skin color or what sure. have you, I mean, that's unacceptable. So there's, But discriminating over intelligence has been acceptable for some time. Nobody ever says, well, I'm unfairly discriminated against because I have a low IQ. <laughs> right. Well, I think, I think what, what you're hitting at is actually what, what I call wisdom. There's always still a need for wisdom. And discernment, and, and and those things are in life. You know, when you meet people or social constructs, or or you're going through like you, you need to be able to navigate. Yeah, is this person safe or dangerous? You need you need that wisdom, or I need a specific skill set for this. So I'm, wisdom d- dictates. Okay, you fit that better. I, I think wisdom elevates. Wisdom is appropriate. It's discrimination. It's when it's unfairly put on you that right. And I, I think that's where I I like I prefer the word wisdom. Uh, you must use wisdom to navigate life because there are dangerous, toxic people and there are situations you shouldn't get in. And there are certain people who deserve to be in certain spots than others. That's that's just wisdom uh, mm-hmm. dictates that. But when you're not allowed to be in a position because of discrimination or you're not given opportunity, that's the problem. I, I think this is what Jesus came to fight against. I think he came to fight against any time we restrict and... Uh, define and limit human beings and i think that's why he was called a friend of sinners because he he was willing to elevate people beyond the social status that had been put on them you know labels were were common in his day oh you're this you're that and and he actually saw people and so he he offends people all the time because he's hanging out with people you're not supposed to hang out with that kind of person why because here's the label and he's like well but they're a person and i think i think that is the secret sauce if we could see people honestly the way God sees people as incredibly valuable and incredibly worth investing in and listening to, I think we would change the world. I really do. You spoke about uh, common purpose. What, what do you think we could rally around? And, and I guess you can't. You got to rule out and love your brother. I mean, everyone should be of doing course. that. I think we're we're not very good at it. And you know, I, I often push back against when uh i don't know what verse it is is uh love your neighbor yeah. like yourself yes i think today's uh, society uh, 
is not, uh, well, the population or uh, people in general are not good at loving themselves. We do all kinds of things that tear and destroy ourselves down, including the own li- our own lies and addictions that we continue to put up with. Um, what do you think a common purpose would be? That well, in the Niagara region? What if, what, if, what if in the Niagara region we decide that there's not going to be a single child who lives in poverty? What if we decided that we were going to give every child who lives in our area the opportunity for a legit, solid education and a real opportunity to, to take opportunity, whether, whether they use it or not, take advantage of it or not, but not being limited because they live in a certain area or they go to a certain school or whatever. No limitations. Imagine what it would be like to, for the community to rally around that and say, we're, no, we're going to make sure, we're going to ensure that every kid gets the very best opportunity or chance in life. Um, what would it look like if you if we were to rally around um, giving employment? Like, what would it, what's what would it take for everyone to have a job? No, I'm not saying there's going to be people who maybe don't want that, or you know, but but what would that look like? These are the real issues that that our real people are really going through, and I think we need to focus on how can we elevate our community. I, I think that's that's why we live in communities. I think it's why we we, we, we as human beings. Have always been drawn to tribes. We want to be a tribe so that we feel like we belong, that we've given opportunity, and I think there's power in that. Mm-hmm. But I think in our culture, we've just really we've bought in fully to this individualism that, you know, well, how do I benefit, or what do I'm, what am I going to get out of this? We we vote that way. We vote for the platform that's going to get us what we want. Uh, we we make decisions based on well, what do I think is best for me. And at some point, I think this is why Jesus said, you have to die to yourself. At some point, you have to go, okay, the world doesn't revolve around me. And um, there, I've been put in a community, and so how do I serve others? And there's honestly, there's no better example. I, you, uh, no one can argue this. There's no better example than Jesus at this, at serving people, loving people. And mm. I think that's why people were attracted to him. And I think that's why they killed him. Because people who are threatened, people who want power, people who want their way people who don't want to give in they kill they killed those dreams but that was a setup that was all planned he came here to die <laughs> yes we didn't have a choice in that well, we were putting him but down again but again i think it was because he had to model something for us we, we we can't understand things that we don't see and so how do you understand what it means to really love someone enough to die for them unless you see it mm. and i think that's the power of the cross I, th- I think there's all kinds of stories around that we create all kinds of narratives around why he did that. But I actually think it's because we need to see it. And he said, okay, I'm going to show you the full extent of love. I will love even to death um, and show you that, that that even doesn't stop love. And so that's why what's so cool about it is that, you know, I believe he rose again, whether you believe that or not. Um, and that this community now, you can't dispute it's spread all over the world. There's, there's this this ideology, or if you want to use that label, which I hate, um, all around the world, and I think that's the power of it. That's the power of it. Mm-hmm. So I think we, in the same way, we speak, we manifest, and then we we perform based on what we've created. And if we created a new narrative where I'm going to help wherever I can, I may not be able to do everything, but I can do something. That would be powerful. Now you touched on uh, tribalism, which is something else I've. I've I've tried to study to get to the bottom of. Mm. We certainly came from tribes. One hundred percent. We know it well. We even see it in chimps. Our, you know, our closest DNA relative. They practice war. They don't have religion. 
the practice war and genocide, kidnapping, um, murder of the males, and you know, and I think I've come to understand that we've gotten a, we've come out of our tribes, and there's a deeply um, important thing about having a tribe, right? You know, and this is why, um, from what I understand, you know, veterans come back. And struggle with P, PS, um, PTSD. Right. Um, they miss their their group. That's right. And they come back and they have a hard time managing without it. And now, as we've come out of our tribes, and I think this is proper, and maybe you could tell me your thoughts on it. Uh, we put, pretty much put the focus on individualism, maybe collectively, mm-hmm. but the value is down. The way you can, you know, it's kind of when, when people say I'm oppressed, well, you have to keep dividing it down. And Peterson has done a good job. Well, I'm black. I'm black and I'm single. And I'm black and I, you know, have, I'm single with kids. And I have black and I'm single with a, a, a mentally handicapped kid. And, and the more you go, and basically you come down to the individual. But now, in today's day and age, I feel like we've been being pulled back into our tribes, which can be wholly dangerous mm-hmm. again. You know, whether you're, it's a conservative tribe or a political tribe or a, a sexual tribe, you know, as far as men and women. or um, I, I'm trying to understand where we're going with this because we've come out of our tribes. Mm-hmm. We understand the value of them when we were there. Um, and then it seems like we're being pulled back in, but we're getting pulled back in in a way that doesn't seem to be helpful. Yeah, right. Well, I think, again, because... A tribe is formed because we have a deep need to belong. We find our identity in belonging. And so we, we craft our social construct around things that, that I, we identify with. Um, so tribes are supposed to give us belonging. Tribes are supposed to give us vision and direction, security. And this is why we form tribes. And, and so I think you're right. We still need those things. Um, the challenge with individualism is it doesn't feed those things. Um, and the other problem is now we form tribes, but we form tribes around what we're opposed to as opposed to what we're for. If we could form tribes around what we were for, so I think this is actually the power of the church or what it's supposed to be, whether it achieves this or not. And I know there's a lot of times that it has failed in this, but it's supposed to be a place, and this is what we worked at Central really hard to do, a place where you can come no matter who you are, no matter what your background, no matter what your story, and you can belong. You can belong before you even believe. That we're going to accept you, your story. We're going to listen. We want to be a part of that journey, and then, and then, yeah, as you belong, you start to unpack. These are the things that we believe, the values that we believe together. That actually we think elevate all of us and ele- elevate the community around us. So I think that you're right. There is a need for tribes, but there's there's dangerous tribes and healthy tribes. Dangerous tribes are those who identify themselves by what they're against or opposed to, or labeled. And then there are tribes who go, you know, okay, let's figure this all out together, that everyone actually belongs and everyone has a part to play. And what does that look like? I think that is what I think Jesus had in mind when he created, the, or so to speak, the church. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, we've not done a good job of that, but I think that's the intent. Um, what? Tell me a little bit about the growth of Central Community sure. Church as far as, you know, when you came in. How many people do we put through that church on a on an average weekly basis? Would you uh, think? Over two thousand. Okay, and uh, what's a what's a 
a packed house look like numbers wise? Uh, we can realistically get about a thousand people in one wow. one sitting. Okay. Yeah. And how has that grown since you've come in, even under Darren? Have you mm -hmm. seen the numbers go up? And then more importantly, and we talked about this a little bit in men's group, and please don't let me forget you know, sure. something that I just find so helpful and interesting and mm -hmm. supportive. Uh, what do you what do you gauge your like? What's your metric for success? Sure. Well, for me, I mean, the, the metric for success is someone is life transformation. And I know I know it sounds like a mm -hmm. ethereal ideal world, but uh, word, but it, I really love it when somebody opens their eyes to a new possibility. <laughs> and wow, yeah. and I've seen that in you. And so I think um, I think that's the power of the of the story. And for each person, it does look a little bit different. But when we got here. You know, there again, there wasn't really a clear vision or direction, and so I think the the first thing you need to do in any organization or any family. So if you're watching and you're you're in a family, if you're watching and you own a business, if you're run any kind of organization, the very first thing is you need a really clear vision. You need a really clear why. Why do we do this? And so for me, my why has always been because people really matter to God, and so they should really matter to me. And um, mm. so. So then we began this journey of actually creating a culture because once, once you have an idea or the why or the vision, then you need to create a culture around that. It has to become the DNA. And you actually touched on it. You said, I feel it in the parking lot. I feel it in the coffee. Mm. That's the culture part. That's when it moves from an idea and it starts to actually manifest itself, not just in the leader, but in the, those who are being influenced by that leader. So then that once you create that culture, then people are either attracted or repelled from that culture. So for us, we've worked really hard at Central to create a culture where, you know what, you really are welcome. Um, you're welcome, and we want you to feel like you, you belong, and we want you to feel like you matter, because you do. And we want to hopefully, you know, inspire you with a new possibility, a new way of thinking, a way that will actually propel you forward as a human being. Because we actually believe, I actually believe that everyone is created in the image of God. I believe that. And so I think that part of us needs to be awakened. So, yeah, so why have we grown? Um, I think... Well, there's an organizational part of it. As you grow, each time we hit, hit a growth barrier, we started at about 400. Then we went to 700. That was a growth barrier. Then about 1,100, 1,200. And each time you hit a growth barrier, you got to restructure. you got to reorganize. What are talking about weekly participation? Yeah. Okay. Wow. wow. So so then you got to reorganize. you got to reorganize because what you do. So just let me stop you there. Yeah, sure. So when you first came to town, you were putting about 400 people a weekend? Yeah, there's about 400 people who'd come on a weekend. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So and how many years? 14 years? 16 years. 16 years. Yeah. And so we've hit our next growth barrier, and I actually believe we're going to break through that, and we're going to see a dramatic growth spurt again. But every time, um, yeah. So it's it's so going back to this vision. Um, no matter who you are watching this, you need to ask yourself personally as an individual, what's the vision for my life? Like, why do I get out of bed? And it can't be to pay the bills. I mean, you're made from way more than that. Don't don't settle for that garbage. Then the second thing is you got to go. Hey, what, what's the vision for my family? And and if if you're the leader of that family, whether you're, uh, you know, a single mom or a single dad or you live, uh, you know, mom or dad, whatever, you got to, why, why do we exist? And then you got to think of it for every organization and then it's got to become part of the culture. So growing up in our family, my kids always heard, well, this is what Markham's do. And they come over and they say, well, I went to my friend's house and they do it this way. And I'm like, that's awesome for them, but that's not what we do. So you really create a sense of value and belonging. And uh, I think that's why Central's grown, to be honest with you. And how do you see your do you ever attend other churches services around town um i'm very good friends with a lot of the pastors okay. around town i wonder um, what your take would be on how 
the the, ser- the service because that's the public presentation. Sure, of, you know correct. what draws you in or doesn't. How how central might be different because well I've seen a uh, I've seen a, a shift and well there's been a huge shift in me as well. Um, to I don't know this this Furtick style for lack of a better t- sure. term. Uh, uh, people that don't know Stephen Furtick, the yeah. pastor at Elevation Church. Again, charisma, deep, uh, a good-looking young guy with game who doesn't just read from the, who, you know, and he's got a style that's real, and he gets wound up. Yeah, he and does. I love that. Uh, I don't know why, because I'm not a rah-rah guy. I've never been when it comes to church. But you think there's a new communication style or a new, I don't know what they call it, it's a cross between celebration and entertainment i i don't know you know yeah, i know what you're the, saying the I old school guys will go oh yeah well it's not christianity isn't all about the rock and roll show you know yeah, I, well i think the word you're looking for is relevant and relevant can look different that's the great thing about that word relevant means i've taken the time to really understand who's in my community and i've really taken the the time to think about what would meet their need what would be relevant or interesting or engaging to them and i think that that can look a lot of different ways and i think there's a lot of great churches in the niagara region i really do who are who are relevant um the other word i think you're looking for is authentic so stephen furtick i will never be stephen furtick because he is who he is mm. but he is authentically himself and he's very relevant in the sense that he's engaging he talks about things that i actually want to listen about mm-hmm. to so i think we've worked really hard to be relevant and I actually think, <laughs> despite common misconception and labeling, that the Bible is relevant. There's a reason why the Bible has been the best-selling book forever. There's a reason because there's it, people who read it properly and apply it properly find its relevance and application in everything they do. And I think when churches struggle is when they actually stop understanding that the Bible actually is relevant to their context. Because culture is always changing. Context is always changing. One of the great things about being a human being, too, is our ability to adapt. We adapt really, really well. Um, unfortunately, some structures and organizations can't adapt or won't or don't. So that's why big box companies will shut down. You know, They'll go bankrupt. It's why entrepreneurial enterprises on the other side move ahead because they are relevant and authentic. So for me as a personal individual, I ask myself, am I relevant? So I say relevant by coaching volleyball. Like I just hang out with kids and... Um, I listen to what they listen to. They get in my car and they listen to their music and I hear what they're talking about. And I try really hard, even though I'm an old guy now, losing my hair. Um, I, I really try to be to understand where they're coming from. Um, and then authentic is, you know, I mean, you know, you come hear me. I'm just me. It's like I'm, I'm not, I'm nothing special. I really am not. I'm a normal human being with normal struggles and normal ideas and failures and faults and flaws. But there's something that's changed inside of me. And I just, that's the story, right? The story is, okay, here's what I was or what I struggled with, and here's how I've been able to overcome it. And with God's help, that's what we, in Christianese term, is our testimony, right? It's it's our story. And everyone has a story. And everyone's story could be better. And I think God wants to infuse his story with our story. So it's like his power with our with our story to make something beautiful. I think I think that's, again where it's at. 
Yeah, we've made many strides on those numbers are really impressive. And, you know, I, I know there's different metrics that you can celebrate as far as su success goes. Um, how has the message changed in, in its delivery, if any? Well, I think for me, um, and again, let me just talk to the metrics piece for a second, because I think people get caught up in the numbers and they, and, and they think that's our metric. That's how we measure success. And it really isn't. I'll tell you how we measure success. We measure success by every story of someone's life who's been radically changed. So, Jim, you are actually a part of that. Um, the fact that we're sitting here talking, the fact that we're friends, the fact that we hang out on Thursdays is, is a successful metric for me. I think of our buddy Peter who passed away mm. recently. Mm -hmm. And Peter, you know, the, the this you know, Dutch guy, you know, and uh, used to yell at us from his balcony in the parking lot because we were too loud playing the music in the parking lot when we were doing kids events. And then one day his granddaughter comes to our church and, and, and her mother can't bring her. So she asks her grandpa, can you take me to church? And he's like, ah, you know, and he, and he walks in and he said, he, he walks in and the very first thing he felt and, and the only way he could describe it was love. Right. I remember. And he'd never, and he'd never felt that. And then, and then, you know, he came to our, our guys group and it was a journey, a transformation. And then, and then he passed away, but he passed away in, in this incredible peace. Um, and, and so I, I think of stories like that. I think of, of stories of some of the kids from lunch angels who've come and now they're bringing their whole family and, and they, they're, they've got a new perspective, a new outlook on life. They actually believe that they can be something. So for me, those are the metrics that matter. The, and I could tell you story after story after story of people who've come who are broken and frustrated and empty and lonely and they've allowed this new story to become a part of their reality and it's changed them because it's given them a new perspective a new opportunity so that's the real metric for us um but as far as communication i think i just try to stay relevant we're going to do a really fun uh series this summer um, fun series oh yeah like, like you've been pretty serious lately we've been really serious lately and uh so we're going to do a, a fun series just talking about relevant topics um, and so we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to call one of the sermons is called dancing prime ministers. Um, and you can just figure out what that one's about. Um, um, one of them is called capitalistic pig. You know, we're, we're, we're actually tackling some of these really relevant subjects that people are going, ah, what do you think about that? And does the Bible have anything to say about that? So that's coming in the summer. Um, so I think that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Right now we're, we're digging pretty deep, but but then that's seasons, right? You, you try to, you, as a leader, you try to figure out where everybody's at. And, and right now we're kind of in this really powerful, deep series about the kingdom of God. What does that really mean? And how does God's kingdom matter here? But yeah. So yeah, that to hopefully answer your question, we, our metrics are by individuals, not by numbers. I, to me, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I, I love when more people come because that's more opportunity, right. but it's the individuals. And as far as what we t talk about, I just really try to be relevant and authentic. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Peter because I'm often continually, I don't know what the right word is, surprised by my reaction to hmm. death sometimes. Hmm. Uh, Princess Di, I, was, I didn't follow Princess Di, but it, and it didn't make me, you know, sob, but I was like, why is this affecting me so much? It, was, it seemed like a really tragic story. Peter, I love the guy. Yeah. Different bird, man, and we're all like that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> but, but isn't that? But isn't it great that we didn't label him? Yeah, and we included him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right? And I love the fact that the first time he walked through the door, he felt. He said he felt love for the first time or something, and and then you come in. Uh, that was uh, during 21 days of prayer. I think he sat down beside me and said, "Peter died." I'm like, "Peter who?" You know, Peter, men's group. Where's the car family? 
was rocked. I was sitting with Roger. Yeah. Thank God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> supportive Eagles fan. Yeah. And I couldn't keep my shit together. I, 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 I came undone. And even Carlene went, yeah, I kind of saw you struggling there. Yeah. Like, I, you got up and, you know, you had no idea. But I was... And I felt this overwhelming amount of guilt for my judgment of him, yeah. for, you know, the self-talk that went off in my head when I was standing <laughs> talking to him in church because he was different. Yeah. And then I'm never going to see him again. Yeah. And, hey, I mean, I loved him. Just, you know, I'm, I'm judgmental. And that's, you know me, I've copped to this so many times. It, it's something I, I'm really... Having a hard time dealing with yeah. this grace, and I th and I also go back to I think that's the way we're designed. We're, I mean, we came from caves. Yeah, we had a color. Another tribe had a color, and when they came up against each other, they didn't say, "Hey, come on over and let's Have break bread." Yeah, they murdered each other in yeah. genocide, like till one of them was gone. Yeah, um, and so. I wonder, like, you do this an awful lot yeah. as far as, you know, it is your job to be at the bedside of a guy like Peter. Yeah. And I just, I know that, I mean, I did my mother's eulogy. I, I just went into business mode. I went up there and I, I kind of did what I had to do and then I sat back down and lost it. Um, I wonder your thoughts on common threads of people. I, I just have a, a strong interest in people that are there at the last moment. My mother died in my arms. Right. Uh, that's only, w you know, I'm, I don't hope that I have all too many of those experiences, but you've been there when their last breath has been taken, what, hundreds of times? More? Yeah, maybe, yeah. I wonder what they're what they're talking to you about. We all have these people that say, well, you know what you don't talk about on your deathbed. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've been to so many of them. Yeah. I wonder if there's a common theme or thread or, or yeah. dialogue that I know, you know, you must have some of the similar dialogues, but what comes from the, the dying that will strike you? Yeah, well, I want to touch on something you said first, and I think, you know, the question is, why does death impact us so heavily? And, of course, there's the piece of loss, which is really important to grieve, but I think it's also a reminder of how valuable and precious life is. And then the guilt is actually a normal part of the grieving process because I think we realize, man, I maybe did I make the most of my life or my opportunity in that moment. And I think we, rather than a, a curse, that's a blessing because it just puts a perspective that every moment does matter and uh, every decision you make does matter. Um, that's how, how precious and valuable life is. But when you're with people in the end, it's interesting What's, what's interesting is not so much the person who's dying, but the people around the person who's dying. Oh, really? Correct. Mm. So when, when I have found that when someone is at peace with themselves and they're dying and their family and friends are all around, there's actually, it, it's hard to explain, but there's, there are two totally different re realities. One is almost celebratory because it, it's been a life well lived and there's family and friends around who are celebrating what that life meant to them. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. When you live mm -hmm. a life well. And then there's the the agony, the discord, the distress of a fractured and broken person. And and, and, and people trying to reconcile how they're, how they're supposed to feel about this person they didn't really even like or love or didn't reciprocate that. And so I actually think in death, it, it's a, honestly just a reflection of our life. 
And so it's an encouragement to live really well. And when you don't, if you've never actually stopped to think about how you're living, please do. Please stop and consider, is there something more for my life? Please stop and consider that it does matter. It really does. You do matter. And I know you might be sitting, sitting there and thinking, oh, who cares? Nobody cares about me. It's not true. We do. And uh, we may not be able to do everything, but we can at least give you opportunity to experience a different perspective. And I think that's why at our church, too, where so many people are actively involved. Like, you know, when you come on a Sunday, you're involved. You mm-hmm. you help us with video switching. And you say, I, I love when I do that. Why? Because that's being alive. It's when you're actually taking whatever you're good at and contributing to something greater than yourself. You're really alive. Um, it's when you live totally cloistered to yourself and only think about yourself that you actually rob yourself of this beauty. So I think at the deathbed, you see how a person lived. It's reflected in the people around them. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, there's some people in the end who are panicking. You know, they want to make sure that they're right. They're going to the right place or whatever. But I think, I think that's, that's just simply a reflection of the life you've lived. So live well. Mm. That's what I take away from it. It's strange to think of this, uh, you know, the deathbed as being uh, a beautiful place. But I think the first time I was exposed to it was uh, uh, my fiance at the time, our uncle, Aldo Mantini, who was the, the inspiration behind Wellspring Niagara. Okay. Uh, and Mantini picked up, you know, they, we didn't have a cancer support center. And uh, Aldo's, you know, had to go to Hamilton for treatment. And... Uh, and took him quite a, quite often, and you know she picked up the ball from um, a, the business standpoint as far as like making it important to yeah. her because it was important to Aldo and their Italian family. Yeah, and that that room was it was uh, for lack of a better word beautiful. Right. Um, and I felt privileged. I didn't know Aldo all that well, but he was yeah. such a good soul. Thirty-one years old. Right. And just a sense of humor that would get you every time. And he was he was the first one to throw a jab, which right. I loved. Right. And sad and absolutely beautiful to mm. to be in that room at that time. And you know, um, I don't know. I often think of my mother's. It was kind of it was beautiful to have her. You know, I wish she was still here, but she died in my arms. I mean, right. at least you know we had that. So I, I uh, I've grown on that in that department where I can find beauty in something. Uh, Brooke Abraham's funeral. Yeah. That's like, if it wasn't that day for my mother saying, you going to Derek, you know, thing for Derek and Sue and Brooke. Like, okay, well, I'll go with you if you want. I wasn't committed to going. Right. I didn't even know Derek that well. Right. And, um, I'm walking in and I'm like, wow. Remember yeah. back in the day, the drum kit was enclosed in, in, in a plexiglass room. Yes, it was. I'm like, oh, look at the, the video screens, like 20 feet wide. <laughs> the platform is a, it's a rock and roll stage, man. Like, look <laughs> at this place. We got carpeting, padded seats, central air. I didn't have any of that at St. Alfred's. Well, they had central air. I joke uh, about being Catholic, but... Um, uh, and now I, I completely brain farted on where I was going with that, but uh, yeah, just the, well, just the the beauty of being in that moment with a life that's being celebrated. Yeah, well. and th- well, that's yeah, going back to the celebration of life, and without that, I'm not triggered to go back to Centro when I know 
my girlfriend of the day says, well, you should come to church with me. I'm like, oh, yeah, where's church? Central. Oh, I love that church because yeah. I've been there. And I remember Hank uh, Stram, I think his name was on our dirt team. He was, his service was at uh, Pleasant View. They had a three-piece, one guy on violin, guitar, and like, I loved Hank, and he always teased me as he was an older guy, and he always had this thing of like teasing me. Uh, I don't want to tell you what he used to tease me about. <laughs> and I, that was the first time I was like, that was beautiful. Because yeah. all the funerals I had been to, it's it's not so beautiful. Right. So much, obviously, it's heartbreaking, stuff like that. But that, that's, um, thank God. I mean, that was uh, what brought me back. Yeah. And so I'm grateful for that experience, for sure. But uh well, and yeah, I'm just constantly reminded because I, I do see death, but I also see birth. I mean, we have lots of baby dedications, and mm -hmm. I think that's just the cycle of life. And I think it actually forces you to ask the deeper questions about life that very few Canadians actually think stop to think about. We're just so busy. We're so so busy doing things that don't really matter that we don't ever stop and think about the things that really do. And so I was even thinking like little things like um, when I was taking my kids to volleyball, you know, all the time and taking the mo making the most of those opportunities rather than, you know, oh crap, I got to drive here again or do that. Or it was like, no, I get to be with my kids or you have a conversation like this. And I, I value this because, okay, this is an opportunity for us to be together. And um, I, I think when you live life with a, an other's perspective, man, is it beautiful. You, you see things you didn't see before. And actually it's funny. My wife is really good at this, you know, Carlene, she's amazing at this and so she's taught me a lot in this area but just just to 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 value your time with people and to live a life that matters like i, w I just wish everybody would would find that for themselves hmm. how many volunteers you got rolling in every week in that place oh hundreds um all yeah. at once uh yeah i th I, I'm not, I should know this um, but because we have such a large staff, I have a great team that takes care of a lot of things. But I know that for a Sunday to be pulled off, there's hundreds of volunteers who are involved, all the way from our security teams to our first, you know, our parking lot team to our, our ser serving team, the blue shirts to the orange kids. It's grown teams. quite a bit too over the years. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so yeah, we've actually grown past our capacity, and that's why we're building out on York Road, and uh, hopefully that starts soon. But. Uh, yeah, I think I think if you come and experience our volunteers, they love it. And why do they love it? I mean, who who in their right mind? Like, like think about it this way: <laughs> um, for our musicians, who in their right mind gets up on a Sunday, five o'clock in the or yeah, earlier, yeah, to get there for six for rehearsal, and stays till one. And the and these are young young people who you know like to sleep in or whatever. And I think it's because <laughs> when you tap into purpose, it fires you up. Like I've never, I, honestly, when I've had purpose in my day, I've never had a problem getting up out of bed. Mm, it's when you that. don't have purpose. And so here's the thing. How do you create purpose in everything you do? Because not everything in life is necessarily driven toward purpose. You may be stuck in a job that you don't think there's any purpose in it. Or you might be, you know, stuck in a life situation that you don't think there's any purpose. And I would challenge you on that because I've challenged you to open your eyes and look around. And the purpose is actually right there. You just don't see it. And so um, I can remember when I was working at Boston Pizza as a service manager. Um, that was kind of my first gig, and uh, and and I and I saw purpose in in even the tough one. They used, they called me the Terminator because I'd take every table that no one else wanted, and and the reason I did that was because I thought I could find purpose in that, and I and I got more t it ticked everybody off because I'd take these hard tables and get a tip. They said there's no way they're going to tip, and they I don't want them, and I take them, and they would. Why? Because you gave value. 
you simply listened and saw the person. And I learned um, in the service industry um, that if you if you value people, people respond. So there was purpose in, in it. Did I like working until 2 in the morning? No, not always. But I found purpose in it. And I found purpose in closing because after we'd close, we'd all sit around and talk. And I could have these really cool interactions with my team. I found purpose in it. And so if you find purpose, I promise you, it's not hard to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And it's not hard to work hard. You know, I work really hard. Um, and that's why my schedule, sorry, it took me so long to get here. But I work really hard. But it's because I find purpose in everything I do. Everything I do. Coaching volleyball, I find incredible purpose in that. It's not about winning gold medals, although that's fun. We do. Um, just throwing it out there. Um, <laughs> I've but, got but, eight but, or ten of them. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but it's, yeah. But it's because there's there's purpose. I love being with those kids. So, man, when you when you tap into that, and I think, honestly, to be totally honest with you, that's why, in my opinion, following Jesus um, is the way to go because he gives you purpose. He, and and it, you can't read the story of Jesus and not see that everything he did was purposeful. And you can't hear his, the words he spoke and be challenged to live a life of purpose. And you can't um, try to follow in his example without, without that driving force. And so, yeah, I, I just wish everyone would have purpose. And that, I'm glad you brought that up because... It seems to be the underlying commitment, that, in my experience, with the volunteers. Uh, I started, I volunteered first. That audio board yeah. is the first thing I saw when I walked in that yeah. church. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, every time I see an audio board like that, I want to run it. Because I don't <laughs> know how to run them. And so... That's why you've... A paid tr- tr- experts to do that. Yeah, I can't. Maybe it might have been Ashley, my first point of contact with okay. that kind of stuff. And it was her or Brenda, I'm not sure. But anyway, I got slotted. Okay, you're going to meet Derek. You know, at this time, you're going to whatever. You know, stand beside him on the board. And then so I show up. Um, Derek is another great leader uh, yeah. that I got a ton of respect for. Uh, he doesn't pull any punches. He's a communicator. <laughs> you know where his head's at. You know yeah. what his underlying commitment is. Perfection to to his. You know, uh, uh, as far as an aim or a goal. Oh, absolutely. Obviously, uh, we well, you should, miss the mark you, all the time. I know, but you should always strive for your very best mm-hmm. in absolutely. everything. Yeah. So I'm standing through the service, and he's like, "Okay, so you can watch the next couple services from the booth, but." The way we do our volunteers is we start them right there. And he points at camera one. So yeah. if, you, if you want in on this deal, yeah. you're going to learn camera one, and then yeah, we'll we see. can talk about <laughs> where you want to go from there. Yeah. And uh, once I got into the booth working camera one, you know, showing up at 7 o'clock in the morning, working till 1, and well, I say working, I think you call it serving, and I, I'm okay with that because it, it really – Seems like he's serving a high, higher purpose. Yeah. And then uh, Mark was running the video board at the time. I'm like, hey, what's going on over there? What's that thing? What's that guy doing with all those screens? Because, again, similar to the audio board, I feel like I have a you know uh, a mind like an air traffic controller. <laughs> I can go around and start a bunch of jobs and actually work a bunch of jobs, yeah. maybe not effectively, <laughs> but multitasking. And so my brain kind of is all over the place and and that's I love the video yeah. because you you're watching five or six cameras you're 
communicating to your people, telling them what shot you want. You're making the switch. I thought, oh, this is easy the first couple of times I got on it. But then I watched my performance. And, and thank you for the room to grow as a switcher uh, to all the people that have been uh, my trainers and mentors and, you know, managers throughout the, my time at Central. Oh, such a cool experience to – and I don't experience this in my work life. Mm. I mean, an independent contractor, someone yeah. real estate, I really don't have a – a business where we're all rowing together. Right. I, I haven't had that for a long. I've been a realtor for over 25 years. So that's something I really appreciate. And then the, the fact that we're all going in, in one direction is, is great too. But then the hearts of these people, mm. you know, and I, you know, I've told you this story before. And again, I think it points to leadership filtering right down to the parking lot. Mm. I mean, I pull up with Charette. The, you know, my girl at the time, and and you know that used to be such a oh, what a beautiful place for us when we're you know rolling together and just we couldn't get close enough to celebrate this you know just sitting there and so I pull up I'm always driving when we're together I pull yeah. up and this guy comes up to the the to her side of the car I'm like what's going on here does he want us to move or what what's he doing he was getting her door yeah. He opened a door, welcome to Central, big smile, just a tiny, you know, really black with thick accent. And it's, you know, um, yeah. what's going on here? <laughs> oh, welcome to Central. I got out and I'm like, dude, I thought you were going to tell us to move the car. That is so cool. Come I love you, man. Yeah. I'm telling a stranger, I do that a lot. Hug this man in the parking lot and just tell him <laughs> I love him and thank you. And so uh, that's something that's really filled me up. And then. Once I got on video, I, th I spent probably a year doing camera, and it's great. Move, zoom, focus. Move, <laughs> zoom, focus. Move, zoom, focus. And, you know, I love the communication with the video director, even though it's mostly one way. Uh, you just do what you're told, and you execute the shot. And if he keeps saying camera one, you're doing a good job. you got the right shot. You know, yeah, if he's not right. going to you, <laughs> you don't have the right shot. And then uh, but I came out of that booth there about three weeks ago or maybe a month ago. And it was just like I had come off the radio. Mm. I was higher than a kite, man. Mm. And I remember when I came, well, I used to get done at the station. I'd come out of the station, and I'd be, I'd be like a kite, man. I, and you could knock me off that game all day because I just spent two hours on the radio. I did what I thought was a successful job. And, you know, different from how I watch myself on video these days. Um, and I came out of that video booth going, oh, man, this is so full but you know why it's because you tapped into purpose you tapped yeah. into it expand yeah. on that because i don't okay I don't so purpose yeah i'm yeah. making you know we're all going the well, same okay. way we're making you so know we're bringing god to people maybe yeah. you know and make the videos look good purpose I don't yeah know. and i'll tell you why because the culture at central has always been this could be the sunday that and we fill in the blank this could be the sunday that somebody who's just brokenhearted Something as tragic has happened this week comes and all they need is to know that they're loved and accepted. This could be the week that a person comes in and they're, they're wondering whether life is worth living. And they're actually even questioning that. And just so today we're going to get the opportunity to tell them, no, you, you do deserve, you should live and it's worth it. And this could be the Sunday that somebody needs a life transformation or needs to see a different perspective. This could be the Sunday that somebody's been asking their friend to come to for 12 weeks, a year, and they say, okay, fine, I'll come. And they're going to be blown away and surprised like you were when you walked in. This could be that Sunday. And 
And, and what if, what if this Sunday you could impact somebody in a way that would impact them forever? That's the culture we've created that it says, listen, so that you're not just giving a cup of coffee, you know, if you work in the cafe, you're not just wiping a, a baby's nose if you work in the nursery. You're not, you're not just switching dials, pushing buttons and switching dials. And you know, cause you hear me, my spiel, right? Every week, um, you're actually doing something that could be the difference. So for you video switching, I mean, there's people who watch all over the world. Mm. So what if that, that you do a, such a great job of that, that people are engaged and they watch and that could be the Sunday that they say, you know, my life does matter. There is something more. So that's what purpose is. A uh, purpose is when you tap into that thing that's bigger than you and you just jump into that river and that's why it feels so great and why it's so easy and you can spend five hours and you're like, well, that felt like 30 minutes. Mm. Because the torrent of purpose is so powerful. Um, and so I think for us and for you and for anyone who's listening, um, just find that. And and we can't find it on our own. That's our problem. We need help. And I think that's where the church comes in. It, it It's a group of people who are trying to figure it out together. We're not perfect. We don't pretend to be. You know that. We don't have it all figured out. That's Okay. Um, but we're trying to figure it out together, and I think that's what makes it work. And I think that's that's what you're trying to articulate. It's purpose is when I'm doing something that's bigger than me. Um, that's why when you go on a missions trip, if you ever get a chance, oh, yeah, you got to go, man. To, yeah. Next next time we go, I'm gonna I'm gonna personally invite you. You come with me, mm. um, because there's something about that. Or if you've ever served and you know whatever ever ever done anything good, mm. <laughs> that that just done something that's good. For, with no expectation of what you're going to get back in return. That, honestly, that is the highest high you'll have. It, it is, and you know this from personal experience, and I know it from personal experience. When you give something with no expectation of what you're going to get back, not I don't care if I get a pat on the back. I don't care if they say thank you. I don't care if I get remunerated. I'm just doing it because it's the right thing to do. That is purpose, and that's awesome. Yeah. And I, it's funny you put it that way because I don't. Uh, I just feel like, hey, I'm doing doing my job well, or I'm learning yes. a new skill or something. I come out and I'm, I'm up here. I'm not really engaged in in the conviction that oh, well, I'm making a difference for my fellow man. But you are. Yeah. So whether you acknowledge it or know it or not, you are. So that's what you've tapped into. See, here's here's the thing about it's it. Part of the thing is going into it without that expectation or knowledge. Really, well, I guess you know you, you should be conscious of it as well. They 100%. always remind us. Hundred percent. That's why we remind you every week before we start. This is why we're doing it. This could be the Sunday, and it does matter. Man, it does matter a lot. And and for me, it's always, you know, we think so. Our culture is so big, and like unless you're a superstar, you're nothing. And that's that's a lie. If, if, if I live my whole life and I only make the, a difference for one person, my life will have been well lived. If I, at the end of my life, have my kids who still love me um, and I have a wife who still loves me and I have friends and family and I have a few people who maybe say, you know what, my life was better because Bill was in it. That's a life well lived. It's so simple. What's more than that? Yeah. yeah. It's so simple. We've made it way too complicated. No one's going to care what kind of car you drive when you die. No one's going to care what kind of house you live in. No one's going to care how much money you made or what your title was. Who gives a rip mm. when you're dying? What they are going to remember is the investment you made in them. I don't know. You know, Parents will say, well, I'm investing in my kids because I'm paying for all their stuff. Well, you know what your kids want? They just want you to be present. 
you know what people just want? They want you to be present. And this is why I always say with Jesus, you know, on the cross, he, you know, I, I always, you know, make this thing. He died for our past so we can be free from it. And he has our future and he has those things stretched out on the cross and he's just present in the moment. And I think that's the power. Have purpose in the moment. Okay, so you feel like, oh, my whole life is a screw up. Forget it. Today's a new day. Live in the power of purpose today. And oh, I'm not, I'm so worried about what tomorrow's going to be. Don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus said. I got, tomorrow will take care of itself. If you can find that purpose in today, ah, it's, it's beautiful. Today will be an amazing day. You'll go to bed and go, wow, I, today was a good day. Mm. And that's all I want for people. Honestly, that's why I do what I do. It's why I chose the occupation I did. It's why I get fired up about every weekend and I get fired up about every day. Because I have an opportunity today. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know. What, I don't, that's not out of my control. But I can make the most of every opportunity. Even if it's, you know, being really kind to the server at the restaurant and giving an extra tip. Or whether it's, you know, acknowledging someone who no one else acknowledges. Or helping someone who can't help themselves. Whatever that looks like. Every day, you and I are given an opportunity to make this world a better place. So take it. Did you have to overcome any um, stigma from the old Central, uh, what was Central, what was it called? Yeah. Oh, Central Gospel Temple? Yeah, exactly. I mean, because it was we Eagle grew up Tabernacle before that, too. It's <laughs> yeah. almost 100 years old, yeah. So I wonder, it, the, the faith, the denomination hasn't changed, right? I mean, nope. we, we grew up cafeteria Catholic. I, I don't know if that's disrespectful, but I mean, I know we went mean. to church yep. on the important days, Easter, Christmas, what have you. I, I was confirmed. Baptized, first communion, confirmed, and in, in, uh, grade, you know, grade eight or something like that. In the north end, we used to run from the bus, right? Because if you got on the bus, it, you were going to come back a changed person, for better or for worse. Yeah, they had candy yeah. or something, um, and they were ruthless recruiters. Yeah, you know, you need this, and be, you know, my dad used to call them Bible thumpers. Right. And, you know, he, he managed a vending division at a, at a local company, and, and he had, a, you know, a couple drivers that were just, you know, and I think that left a bad taste in his mouth, yeah. the way they came on to him sure. as far as what he needed and whatnot. So, um, and it was kind of a fun thing when you saw that, oh, no, psh, you know, right. and I, I tell it as a funny story now because, it, <laughs> it, because I think it was just one of those things that we grew up with as a, as a kid that sure. was kind of a fable. Yeah. Or uh, a kind of a, you know, a misrepresentation. But I wonder, you know, my, we used to call them, well, they're born again. Yeah. You know, I don't hear that term much anymore. Now right. I hear Pentecostal, but yeah. it's the same thing. So I'm wondering, uh, obviously, you've come a long way. And the mm -hmm. style of preaching has changed over the years mm -hmm. and, and come around to this modern, uh, very communicative, communicative style. Yeah. Um, and... You, you've heard me say this many times. I I become the guy that people, mostly girls lately, call me and go, "Hey, Jimmy, you still go to that church?" Yeah. Okay. Well, the last one I called. Don't ask, but can I come with you one week? And what time do you want to go? Yeah. And how about this week? Yeah. And so I bring them, and they're like, "Like, you know, it's not so what they expect." Yeah, no, and and that's great for me because you know I, I take them with no expectations now, right? Because I'm not trying to. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't look at anyone and go, "You need Jesus," right? Or you need this. 
uh, purpose. That there's a flash card that you know everyone could probably get behind. But uh, I wonder how the f- that denomination maybe has changed because mm-hmm. if it hasn't changed as far as what the church represents, got Catholicism stayed the same for thousands of years. Yeah. What has the whole faith changed as far as I don't know why I find it acceptable now and. Uh, you know, I've, I'm sure there's some from the old school that hate this, but I call it rock and roll pretty church because the right. first the first half is a concert. Everyone's good looking on stage. Even the boys are good looking on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, you're a decently looking, good looking guy. You got a different way about you. And and uh, then, and like I've said before, it's if you listen to a Bill Markham sermon for 20 minutes and you haven't heard the word God or Jesus or a scripture, that's not out of the ordinary. Mm. So it's a, more of a soft sell, I find. Mm. I think that, well, and again, I think there's always good and always bad and you, if you look for it in everything. And I think that's why I keep going back to the why and, and the driving motivation. And so I guess um, what has changed, if anything, is I am really passionate about helping people who have never been to church before ever uh, feel like feel like they belong, they're, com- they're comfortable, they understand it. I've worked really hard in my language to go, okay, if I do use a term that might be out of the ordinary, we explain it and why. Because I want my friends, who maybe don't go to church, if they were ever to come to church, to go, oh, this is a place that I understand and, and I feel like I belong. And so, I mean, you know, you talk about the bus ministry. A lot of good things happened out of that. I mean, Sue Abrahams is one of them out of the oh, bus ministry. How so? Well, she she came on the bus. Oh. Yeah. So, th- so you see... In every in everything, there can be some good. Sure. Oh, yeah. And uh, but and I make fun more than. Oh, anything. yeah. No, yeah. no. I I totally get it. But for me, it's it's how how we've just tried to create a space that if you brought somebody or if you come, if you're watching and you come and you've never been to church, you'd go, oh, wow, I did not expect this, and you actually understand it, and there's something to take away from it. So yeah, I think, and that changes, right? Because culture changes, music styles change. I mean, like yeah, right. So we 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 try as best we can to play music that you'd kind of maybe hear on the radio that wouldn't be out of the ordinary. Oh, Imagine right? Dragons. Oh, uh, I know. And David does I just know. a great job up there. Uh, and if people are watching, you've never seen it, go on our website, uh, centralcc.ca, and just look at that, the kickoff Sunday and the Imagine Dragons cover. Um, but again, we recognize music is just a tool. Every, every communication is just a tool. Right. Um, and, if, and so we want to make sure that the tool is sharp, so to speak, and we also want to make sure that the message is clear, um, that the tool is working in the function that it was designed for. And so there's nothing more frustrating than trying to hammer in a nail with a wrench. It doesn't really work, right? you got to know what tool you've got, make sure it's – or trying to cut wood with a dull blade. So sharpen your tool, which is for us is music and communication, and uh, make sure the message is relevant. You mentor all over your life. I guess you're a teacher, leader, all over the place. I uh I didn't know you're such a. I knew you're a volleyball coach, but and I knew you took it seriously. And I'm pretty sure you're as competitive as they come. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little too competitive. Yeah. I may have been. I love I, the story, man. Yeah, I may have gotten a yellow card or two in my life. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you talk to me about the, yeah the kids and and how that fills you up. I I I, I get you know I talked to you about Benjamin. Yeah. I just. Oh wow! I love the the the, uh, the kids is the wrong word because they're young, young adults. adults. There yeah. you go. Um, nothing more filling than mentoring someone there. And, yeah, uh, and I didn't know that people like 
go to that school specifically for the volleyball program? <laughs> and we're talking about Eden, just in case no, uh, knows <laughs> that you're the volleyball coach. Just the girls? No, I coach I boys coach too? boys and girls. Yeah. Okay. And uh, right now we're doing co-ed, so that's cool too. Co-ed volleyball. Yeah. Competitive co-ed volleyball. Yeah. Yeah. The girls play in the front row. The guys play in the back row. Well, of and course, the girls play in the back row. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's it's, it's it's yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a lot of fun. I I think I love it so much because if I can. Um, if I can invest in a kid to the point where they actually believe in themselves. And to be honest with you, it's beyond volleyball. Yeah, you can be a great volleyball player, but there's more in you, and I want to call that out of you. So we did this thing before our uh, Ontario Championships this last year with the girls, and I just went around the room, and I said, I'm going to tell you something about yourself that I, I, I see in you that maybe no one else has ever told you or, or has seen in you, and it was this really beautiful moment, you know? T tears were shed. Tears, I was going to say. Yeah, Absolutely, like but, but again, it was because... I wanted each of my athletes to know that their value went far beyond their athletic ability, that there was something in all of them that someone just needed to call out and believe in. And so for me, I coach because I love volleyball. I, I mean, my wife I will tell you I'm a junkie. Like, I watch volleyball all the time. It, it's a bit of an obsession. Not, well, it's the collegiate channels or you have Yo, a special yeah. sports package Oh, for yeah. I got the, well, you can get a, a, yeah, Canada West has every game. So with Trinity Western University this year, I watched every game they played. You get that where, on cable or? Yeah, no, you just go Bell? online, stream oh, live. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, live stream. And uh, I watched the American University of Hawaii for whatever reason I like watching them play. And um, so, yeah, so I watch it. But, but for me, I love volleyball and I'm passionate and I'm very intense and I have been known to lose my temper. Um, which I'm working on. What's but, losing your temper look like when you're Bill Mark? Oh, yeah. F-bombs flying? No, you got a dirty mouth? No, no words, no <laughs> words. Usually, you know, something might get kicked over or oh, okay. or so, something might be snapped, just on occasion, <laughs> just on occasion. But those are very rare and few and far between. Um, awesome. But, uh, no, I, I so as much as I love volleyball, I love letting these kids know you matter. You matter a lot. And that you have actually something to contribute. And, you're, and don't get labeled or defined by being a volleyball player. Don't get labeled and defined by whatever. You're more than that. So that's why I love it, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. You know I love it when you uh, scold from the platform. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> because I think we're all... Uh, we all need it, frankly. Yeah. I think we lose um, track of our purpose and our humanity and our tolerance and our love for each other. You know, yeah. I'm a Philadelphia fan because Philadelphia, that word you actually means something. You should be scolded for that. Something. You deserve <laughs> scolding for that. That's terrible. And I haven't heard you scold us from the platform no, lately. No, not yet. That not means yet. one's coming. So if you're going to scold the, the, you know. the congregation, well, would it be over? <laughs> well, for me, you know me. It's usually over when we don't treat people with dignity and respect, when we don't value. That was the last one. I think I remember you talking about a hat. Yeah, somebody getting a hard time. Yeah, hat, well, someone. A well, a kid wore a hat into our church one day, and an older gentleman knocked it off his head. And as soon as I found out, I These said, "Older guys need to be dealt with." I had well, somebody complaining about the volume the other day. I'm like, "Dude, yeah, <laughs> well, how old are you?" No. But, but <laughs> you know, you're right. Well, but they do deserve respect because we wouldn't be yeah, there without them. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not a generational thing. It was just this, and and same thing with tattoos. You know, the, the, for a long time that was a big deal. Really? Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, and you spoke about it this week." Yeah, I, I did. I, t I said, "Listen, it doesn't." That's, it doesn't matter, but um, but to some people it really does. So I got to be careful with that. But 
For me, no, I just, I get frustrated like Jesus did when religious people use their religion as a weapon. I, I really don't like that. I, I, I often will take a Bible and I'll say that this book was meant to elevate people, not crush them. When you use it this way, you're not reading it, you're not interpreting it, you're not applying it properly. Yeah, you're right, there's the conviction part, which you like, that, like, yeah, we need to do better, that, that, but that's still an elevating element. It's not, so hopefully when I scold, it's, it's just so, hey, we can be better, as opposed to you all suck, you know, you're terrible, you're, whatever words we use, labels we use, but I, 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 I like this idea that we try to elevate. So, yeah, when I get frustrated with people, it's because I've heard, uh, you know, they didn't treat someone with respect or dignity, or they were... Ex, in, you know, exclusive. Um, we we try to really hard to be inclusive. And it doesn't mean that we don't have our core values and convictions because we do. Because we do, we won't compromise. As a matter of fact, we're not getting a government grant this summer because we wouldn't compromise on some convictions, and because we refuse. You're not to alone t- in that. Like What's I that? Said. Uh, you're not alone in that department. That was a Trudeau thing Acro- across the board. Yeah. Um, the, the summer jobs program. Correct. Summer yeah. interns. Um, and so we just we just by our own convictions. We felt like, yeah, freedom of speech and freedom of religion should apply to everybody, including us. Like, we, I agree. No one should be discriminated against. No one deserves to be treated with prejudice, including us. And so, yeah, so we have our values and our, and we stick to those. But we want to be inclusive and invite everybody into the conversation, into the journey. And I'm wide open to talking to anybody about their belief and why they believe that, and respecting that. And at the end of the day, everyone does have the right to believe whatever they want to believe, and we're not going to change that. I mean, we're not fighting that. So we just we just like to open up a, another possibility, have a conversation about another idea. Maybe you had never thought of this. And so that's why I think, you know, you talk about my communication. It's like, I want you to think about this and because it's worth thinking about. And, uh, yeah, so I think that's what makes us kind of unique, maybe. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to the new build at all and how that kind of came upon you and how... Yeah, difficult. It's been to stay on the path and stay convicted to something. I mean, you know, I don't, there's got to be a whole bunch of question marks at the beginning of like, okay, where are we going to, how are we going to pull this off? And, exactly. And so yeah. York Road is the new build, and I know there's been some processes that you know need to be detailed out as far as before you break ground. But yeah, so it it came out of this this conviction actually. Um, I, I really wanted to create a space that would meet the needs of the community. I think sometimes when we build churches, we build a church that really only ser- serves the church and I and sits empty most of the week. And I kind of think that's a waste in my personal opinion. So um, we did we did need space. So as part necessity, we, we grew. We've outgrown our capacity. We, we just can't grow anymore in the space we're in. And people, I mean, if you've been in the parking lot, you know how hard it is to get is in. the parking lot more than the actual building? Yeah, the parking, the parking lot is our biggest challenge. And we only have four acres there. So we've maxed out every possibility we can. Uh, we looked at all kinds of things like parking lots and you know tiered parking and all that stuff and it just wasn't viable or feasible so we bought land on york road and uh, we're building a new space but the cool thing about this new space is that where we're going to be sitting in the auditorium on sunday is actually a performing arts center with a gym floor so that during the week um there can be all kinds of activities for kids after school um there's open things so we're going to be sitting in like movable chairs yes oh wow Yes. That's different. Well, it is different, and I'll tell you why. Because I, it's rooted in this philosophy that it's not about me, and so I mean, I can sit in a movable chair for an hour if it means that kids are going to get an opportunity to play throughout the week, right? 
And again, when you're rooted in purpose, then you go, oh, that's why, right? It's not about me. Good. Thank you for the reminder because I really wanted the cushy theater seat, you know, tiered level. I wanted that, but it, it's not about me. So yeah, so every every uh, Sunday night, all the chairs will go away. It's a gym floor. Kids will come in and play. And uh, we'll do after school programming and we're going to do daycare and we're going to we're going to actually do things that reach the community. So we're building a space that that serves the community. <laughs> and I'm really passionate about that. Um, and then, yeah, so that that's that's underway. Uh, the shovel should go on the ground pretty soon. We're almost there. And then it'll be about 18 months to build it. And then uh, we'll move in hopefully before my 50th birthday. <laughs> that's my dream. My vision. What's the price tag on that shiny new? Uh, yeah, it's, it's not a, a small price tag. Um, and, and the, the amazing thing about our church family is that many have stepped up and been very generous because we needed them to be. And so we've been able to raise a lot in our capital campaign. And honestly, I can't thank the people enough who dream big because something like this does cost a lot of money. And then, uh, yeah, and then the rest we're, you know, we're just going to try to work out uh, some creative investment ideas and thoughts. And so, yeah, it's it's a big price tag. But, again, when you have a purpose and if it can reach the community, and I, I remind myself if it, if it can reach one, just like someone reached my mom, you know, changed her life, then it'll be worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tomorrow morning, where are you going to be at 730? Well, I'm normally at Guy's Group. <laughs> okay. But tomorrow I'm actually driving up to – I have – district executive meetings so i'm gonna miss you tomorrow morning. Okay. but i am at church every every thursday usually 7 30 for guys group yeah let's talk about. i'll that be there yeah it's awesome um man, how long has this been going on for and it, it, oh. you're right it is awesome and I, I, at least I, five maybe six years yeah we meet every I thursday morning with a girl over a summer and you know it's it's great to get perspective from someone that doesn't know you all that well yeah and I remember uh, it was uh, Wednesday nights back then. That's right. And I come out of there, and I call her, and you know, blah 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 blah. You know, um, on and on. She's like, "Here, listen to me. You listening? Don't stop going to that group." Yeah. And she she was a believer, but she you know, and she had a couple of beautiful kids. They were great kids, and you know, I never. Had known her to go to church, right? Um, but she she had no problem talking about it and bringing it up. And she said, "Don't, yeah, you are so lit up when you leave <laughs> on Wednesday nights." Yeah. And uh, I remember I haven't seen uh, Johnny around for a while, but you know, I could, he stopped that place. Like I felt like the earth stopped huh. for a minute. Yeah. Like the ground shook or something, and I remember going. Whoa! Did you feel that? You know, and I, and I kind of consider myself the the new guy. Yeah. Even though, even though I, I will accept it, you know, I have taken a leadership role here and there, and I, I'd love to, you know. Um, but just her insight into whatever you do, go to that every week. And I struggled with it, you know, here and there, and I'm pretty loyal when it comes to showing up. Um, but uh, and it's gone through some transformations in different formats. Yeah, and uh, I'm good with that. But uh, yeah, it's been surprisingly helpful, and not only from a like a knowledge standpoint, because you know we do a certain amount of talking about script scripture. Yeah, although it's not like a Bible study session. Correct. 
Um, it's I more love of the life fact, chat. Yeah, yeah. I lo- yeah, I love and, and man, your your sermons are very much like that too. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I find many people saying, "I thought he was talking to me." Yeah. Oh, that and you know, you know, I, <laughs> I went from sitting in the back row, coming in late, and leaving early with my mother. Yeah. You know, or the kids with, uh, you know, the parents with kids. We used to sit there because it's yeah. dark yeah. and it's closest to the door. And yeah. I don't want to talk to anyone. In right. fact, I don't even want to shake your hand when I come in. Right. Leave me alone. Right. So now where you sit in the third row. Yeah, second row <laughs> center. <laughs> you know, a lot of times I come with my niece or, or when I was coming with my niece, you know, it was the fight for who would sit in front of Greg Sykes because it's the yeah. Greg Sykes show. Yeah. And um, when you would look from at me, I know you you don't see very well with the lights in your face, but and, and I heard so many people say, "Yeah, I really, I really felt like he was talking to me, like he wrote that sermon for me." And that's talent, man. I know what that's like to be sitting in the audience, and I did. I wasn't familiar with what it was like when you looked at me, and you nailed something I was struggling with, and I asked you to stop doing that. <laughs> that makes me feel like. Stop looking at me when you're nailing it, man. Maybe you're nailing it for a lot of people. <laughs> um, it's It's been a really cool experience. I've learned so much about myself and, and, and other guys there, too. And, you know, Peter, as an example, was, was just a, yeah. another great story yeah. of uh, how deeply you can be touched and then not even know. Like, I didn't know that Peter had made an impact on me until he was gone. Mm-hmm. And then I felt a whole wave of emotions. But yeah. And now we've got a whole new crew coming through there, and it's been different in size, and we've kind of changed it up a little bit. But I love that the guys can still hang out afterwards. Yes. I love that I can bring a stranger who's not even religious and right. just say, hey, come, come check this thing out with me. Yeah. And they'll go, oh, okay. And for them to sit there and go, dude, this is really cool. Yeah. Supportive learning environment and also a connection that I think is really maybe not missing today, but maybe not celebrated as much as far as men go. Yeah. Men celebrating men. We seem to have all kinds of groups designed for women, but not so much for the men. And then this stereotype and the label. Yes. You know, men don't talk. They don't communicate well. They don't get in touch with their feelings. Well, <laughs> in, our, in our group, that's, our group. That's, uh, that's not true. Yeah. Well, we actually... We dive deep. And we get vulnerable. Yeah. And we get honest and truthful and just say, I'm a broken down car on the side of the road. I need a tow truck. Somebody help me out. So Well, I think that's really a good analogy because it. I think the uh, it's like an electric car, right? An electric car has a battery that runs for a certain time. You've got to plug it in again. And I think we all need those places where we can plug in again and just, you know, refuel our battery, so to speak, or recharge our life, be reminded about what really matters. And I think that weekly connection point for you is that it's that charge up again to go, okay, I can do another week, you know. And so I think there's a lot of power in that, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the connection between the guys has been uh, an, an amazing experience um, and something I've benefited from. Uh, quite a bit so I appreciate your leadership around all that and I appreciate you coming in we're coming up on two hours so I'm going to cut you loose and get you out of here is there anything finally that you want to say inspirational to anyone that might be watching that's I don't know yeah just if I could just encourage you that your life really matters um, and you're important and you're valuable and if you don't feel that could I encourage you just to check out a church or um, ask somebody, talk to somebody. So 
I, I just want people to know that, that they really do matter. They matter to God and they matter to us. So thank you for letting me be here. It's been yeah. awesome. It's always fun talking to you. Yeah, I appreciate and, it, uh, brother. Yeah. Thanks for the time and coming in. And, <laughs> it's uh, been great. And uh, good. we'll miss you on Thursday. But uh, We'll see you next Who's week. coming in? Uh, Johnny's coming John, in. John Gallo? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Bill Merkinum is my guest. He's the lead pastor of Central Community Churches. If you're walking, watching on uh, YouTube or Facebook, you know already, but uh, that's my old radio upbringing. Um, tomorrow, Sandy Annunziata, he's the chair of the NPCA and regional council, counselor for Fort Erie, elected in Fort Erie. So we're going to have some convers- some pretty good conversation with Sandy Annunziata tomorrow. We'll pick up... Uh, where we left off with Dave Barrick on Monday. So thanks for checking us out. We'll talk to you soon.